hold on to your butt. I'm, of course, surprised that a story had such an immediate and profound effect upon radio listeners. Hooey pleases the boobs a great deal more than sense. Woe is us! We're in a lot of trouble! In politics, man must learn to rise above principle. What the hell are we doing here? We are behaving the way a superpower ought to behave. Well, our behavior has produced some crappy results. What we're witnessing now is the failure of the state. It is a death struggle for our republic. Giving voice to liberty in our time. Joey Clark. Uh, hello and welcome to the program. You are listening to the Joey Clark Radio Hour. Broadcasting live over the terrestrial airwaves here in the River Region of Montgomery, Alabama. The broadcasting worldwide online. It's true we're worldwide already. And isn't that a marvel of the modern age of the internet? That you don't need a big television studio or radio network to reach millions. Sometimes you only have to get popular online. In that spirit, I encourage folks, go to Facebook if you're interested in what I have to offer, what this show has to offer, and the great guests we have coming in the days, weeks, and months ahead. Go to Facebook, The Book of Faces. Search for the Joey Clark Radio Hour. Like that page. The more you support that page, the more I can connect with all of you. The Joey Clark Radio Hour. Find that page on Facebook and give it a like. So you can receive all the updates about guests upcoming this week and again in the weeks ahead, as well as what's on my mind. Now, over the weekend, I decided to do some deep diving into some books. It's been a while since I've actually just sat down and read something. Of course, I watched the Auburn game. It made me miserable. Oh, so I went back to the books instead of watching more football. But other than getting right into the books I was reading, I also put on a song. Again, on my vinyl record player, it's a pioneer. And have you ever had a song? Without looking for it, it just comes on. And it immediately takes you back to some time or place. It's funny how memory works that way. You get the right input, the right stimulus. And all of a sudden, this vivid image comes into my head. Well, the song is by Queen. It's off their album, The Game. is, of course, play the game. this song and it immediately took me back to an apartment in Auburn about two years ago, a little over two years ago. It was an apartment actually just a few yards away from the apartment I lived in. It 
when I was in college at Auburn. It was the apartment of this young woman, this girl who I met right as my mom was really sick. It didn't end up working out with that girl, and I don't want to go into all the sad details. But that first night we hung out, this song was on, on her vinyl record player. And it got me thinking. I remember another moment where she asked me, because she was as interested in politics as I am, that, Joey, you should run for office. And I said, no, 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 no. I'm the guy who listens to music. I'm the guy who might rant and rave about politics, but you do not want me with power. And she seemed a bit flabbergasted by my answer. Well, I could somebody so interested in politics, so interested in the political news, not have that ambition, that desire to be the one making the decisions yourself. And I said, it's because I know what I would do with power. I know how these political fights make me feel personally, what it inspires me to do. You see, I'm an extreme personality. And the reason I believe I am a libertarian is because I know in my heart of hearts... I would be awful if I was in power. I would abuse power. Power would corrupt me greatly. It may not corrupt everybody else, though I think it does to a certain extent. I think, say, if Mr. Libertarian in the modern age, Ron Paul, had actually become president, now when Ron ran, he knew that He would never actually win. He was using a presidential campaign as sort of a speaking tour, an educational tour. But imagine even Ron Paul became president. I think the way the country is set up now, the desires all the different parties and interests have in this country, one man couldn't fix it, no matter how good his intentions. You see, I think, and I hold a strong conviction that power does corrupt us greatly. Yes, it's fine to bitch and moan and to criticize this or that politician. I'm right there along with you, often. But there are those moments where I try to put myself in their shoes. That if I was a senator or a congressman or God forbid, President of the United States, would I really act any better than the past few presidents? And that's something we don't really know. But I live by the rule that the tyrant in you is the tyrant in me. That yes, you can look at evil Today or evil in the past. And you could say to yourself, I would never be like that. I would never do things like that. Yet say you ask the people of Germany 
10 years before the Nazis and Hitler take power. If they thought totalitarianism could come to their country. And most of the German people would have said, of course not. Of course not. Yet one of the most educated and industrious nations on earth did go into totalitarianism. And there are many causes, there are many reasons. But the larger reason of why did the world, after experiencing this thing called liberalism, what we would today have to call classical liberalism, because liberal today might mean somebody on the progressive left. No, classical liberalism that founded the nation, that I still think is the heartbeat of what is good about America. If you look at the Bill of Rights, that is the spine, the backbone that is keeping this country together. If not for those rights that protect us from the will and the whims and the tyranny of the majority, this country would have already have destroyed itself. If not for liberals inspiring people to be entrepreneurs, to be innovators, to be social reformers, to look out for the rights of man, woman, and child, to have religious tolerance and freedom of speech, If not for these things, I think the United States would have destroyed itself long ago. But those rights remain there. You occasionally hear some idiot or some well-intentioned fool, though I don't know how well-intentioned it could be, talking about how free speech is overrated. Well, you can't yell fire in a crowded theater. Actually, that has nothing to do with the First Amendment and freedom of speech. It has everything to do with who owns the theater. Maybe part of the show is yelling fire. Who knows? But if not for these rights, we would have already torn ourselves to pieces, in my humble opinion. See, so many today... Now damn liberalism, classical liberalism, or libertarianism. They say that freedom is dangerous. Freedom leaves us unsafe. They say that the market, the free market, is corrupting. Yeah, it might make you wealthy, but it corrupts your soul. The capitalist will sell the rope that will soon be used to hang him. That's how profit-seeking he is. But because of the liberal projects in the 1700s and the 1800s, I firmly believe that is why we are so prosperous today. It's not because of this or that government program. It's that when you unleash the imagination and the ingenuity of people, you allow them to be free. 
It helps not only those who are ingenious and innovators, it helps everyone. But if you don't know the story, here's how it goes. As liberalism, classical liberalism rose, as prosperity started to spread, as slavery started to end, as old feudal orders and monarchical orders started to be neutered or at least overthrown completely, The people who had once been the nobility, the aristocrats, the people who had once been in big business, and the people who Karl Marx appealed to started to say, this isn't fair. Why am I not yet prosperous? Like some of these people in the middle class, like the bourgeoisie. So freedom, liberty, And free markets, peace, trade, and political freedom came under attack from two different angles. One angle was from the old regime. It was from the old nobility and the academics and the priesthood. They saw their position threatened by this rising middle class, by people being brought out of the muck and the mud, out of subsistent farming, where most people couldn't expect to live but for maybe 30 years at the most. The average was more like 25 years, younger than I am today. And no doubt, though, the early industrial factories, some of them were not the best conditions on earth. It was better than trying to make it on your own. You see, something happened in Northern Europe and Britain and the United States. People started saying, give the average person his freedom. Let him have a go. Let him trade as he wishes. Let him trade as he wishes. Let him think as he wishes. Let him believe in whatever God he wishes to believe in and to argue peacefully with his fellow human beings over their disagreements. So this threatened the old established order. And where capitalism and free markets had not yet helped those at the bottom of the rung. They were being told by people like the likes of Marx. Ah, you see, you're being exploited. You're being exploited by the capitalist class. Well, as things turned out, liberalism and free market capitalism was working. There were, in fact, millions of people brought out of abject poverty. And not only were the millions that were already living brought out of poverty. But we look today and now the world is populated by billions. And yet even with billions, we still have more things. The standard of living keeps getting better. 
But near the end of the 1800s, the turn of the 20th century, as liberalism, classical liberalism, and free markets are attacked from the old right and from the new socialist left, governments started to change. They stopped believing in free trade and started believing in protection and autarky. That we don't need to trade with others, we can be self-sufficient. They started to confuse the classical liberal idea of self-determination. That individuals should be free to think as they wish, to speak as they wish, and trade with whom they wish. And they confuse self-determination with nationalism. Or they buyed into Marxist theories. They gave up on the market. And that is when war breaks out. You could almost call it the Great European Civil War. The first war and the second. And yes, in many ways, Germany had its own role, the main cause to play. But really, it was an abandonment of freedom, not capitalism itself, not freedom itself that led to war, but it was the abandonment of the liberal ideals that led to millions dying. I read recently that if the world wars had not have happened, we would be factors richer beyond our wildest dreams. It wasn't until the turn of the 21st century that we started to experience Maybe the same level of prosperity on a global scale that was already starting to be achieved at the turn of the 20th. Yet freedom, liberalism gave way to its enemies on the right and the left. It gave way to fascism. It gave way to socialism and communism. And we saw what it led to. Destruction. Now, out of the world wars comes the United States. They inherit what essentially Europe has thrown away. And though they were the biggest, baddest country on the block, the most prosperous... Let's not kid ourselves, the United States was affected, and to this day, has been affected by those competing theories, contrary to belief in individual liberty, peace, and trade. Those forces are still competing for our hearts today. Competing for our hearts and our minds. They tell you not to look at that backbone, the cornerstone of our society, liberty and the Bill of Rights. They tell you freedom is dangerous because it leads to the workers being exploited or it leads to men becoming soft and decadent. They tell you that we're in this great competition of nations 
and we're losing. And what's to blame? Well, it's your freedom that's to blame. You can't do it yourselves. This is why I don't want to run for elected office. Because I look at what's on offer. I look at people rioting in the streets or people marching in the streets. I'll get people bickering at one another in the halls of Congress and the President of the United States tweeting at essentially the last Stalinist regime on the earth, the last communist regime on earth at North Korea, running war games. And I say to myself, who would want to be in charge of these systems? If you care for people's lives, who would want to take that responsibility? Could you actually rule in this climate? You know, I didn't vote for Donald Trump. I didn't vote for Hillary Clinton. And I'm not usually the type to fall on my knees. But pray that the President of the United States, as well as his counterparts in Moscow and Beijing and Pyongyang and in capitals across the world, have the wisdom, the moderation, the courage, and a sense of justice, but especially a sense of faith in what they are and where they come from, a sense of hope in what we can achieve, And above all, the greatest virtue being love. My hope isn't for one world government. My hope isn't for trade blocks like so many in the establishment of the Democrat and Republican parties want. My hope isn't in nationalism or in some great competition, whether it be trade or actual war between nations. My hope is in the individual's ability to make their own way in life. It is not free markets and capitalism and consumer products that corrupt us. It is politics that corrupts us. It says instead of having to work for yourself and for others, instead of having to work and be smart about how you work in order to gain the things you want in life, politics says no, just take power. And demand that things work out. That has been the history of most of humanity. And it has not ended well. Things like free market capitalism have given us... Well, pop music and rock and roll. They've given us soul music. They've given us art, not funded by the king or by the church, but art funded by people, for people, everyday people. Markets make us better people. It's not to say we don't do bad things in this world. It's not to say that people don't abuse their freedoms. But on the whole, when people are let alone, left alone, when people are set free... 
they tend to look out for one another. They tend to create incredible works of art and technology that helps their fellow man. My worry is that we're getting too caught up with politics, whether socialist or nationalist. And we're forgetting what has made us prosperous and virtuous people in the first place. You're listening to the Joey Clark Radio Hour. Coming up, I'm going to try to back up that claim just a little bit. The help of a writer named Deirdre McCloskey. That yes, capitalism, free market capitalism, makes us a virtuous people, not just a wealthy people. If you want to join in on the conversation, 272-9228. Joey Clark. to the Joey Clark Radio Hour. Tonight I'm, with the help of a very intelligent, well-read professor, much more intelligent or well-read than I am, Deirdre McCloskey, saying that not only does capitalism and free markets and true classical liberalism, not only has it made us rich, that is clear. That is very clear. Nobody can argue with that. Millions of people, billions of people are alive today because of this system. So Deirdre McCloskey writes that she brings good news about our, as she puts it, bourgeois lives, our middle class lives. I preach here in the vocabulary of Christianity from the Greek for the defendant's side in a trial, an apology for capitalism in its American form. I do not mean I'm sorry, writes Deirdre McCloskey. The argument is an apologia in the theological sense of giving reasons with room for doubt directed to non-believers. Now, as I was just saying before the break, there are a lot of non-believers. There are, of course, people on the left who think capitalism is just wicked. It has to be regulated in some way or we need outright socialism. Well, Medicare for all. Yeah, Medicare for all, I think, is a very bad idea, though it might be well-intentioned. And, of course, now we have people on the right saying free trade doesn't work. That's stupid trade, as Trump's put it. So there are plenty of non-believers out there, even people who claim to believe in liberty. And 
Don't get me wrong. I think the opponents of my position are well-intentioned for the most part. I think most people who vote for Donald Trump are very well-intentioned. I think most people who voted for Hillary Clinton actually are well-intentioned, though mistaken. We can't keep thinking of ourselves and the other side as a bunch of evil SOBs. Again, this is what I mean, is that it is not the market that corrupts, it is politics that is corrupting us. It is making us resentful of one another. It is making us suspicious of one another. And yes, the news and the political intrigue is fascinating. Just breaking news tonight that Paul Manafort was wiretapped. Trump wants to have a military parade on July 4th down Pennsylvania Avenue to showcase America's military might. I don't think we've done that since the World Wars. So yes, there are plenty of non-believers out there who do not agree with libertarianism, who do not agree with classical liberalism. They think either some sort of right-wing nationalism and greatness is going to save the nation or left-wing socialism, even of a democratic variety, is going to save the nation. I think most of you disagree with me or well-intentioned. But, as McCloskey writes, I want to reach you who think that the phrase bourgeois virtues or capitalist virtues those of you who think that's a contradiction in terms. Some of you might even think it's a lie. That I'm being some shill for the great corporate powers that be. It's not. This is from my heart. It's what I actually believe. Modern capitalism does not need to be offset to be good. Capitalism can, on the contrary, be virtuous. In a fallen world, the middle-class capitalist bourgeois life is not perfect. It is not utopia that we offer, but it is better than any available alternative. American capitalism needs to be inspirited, moralized, completed. Two and a half cheers for the Midwestern bourgeoisie. Of course, like any aristocracy or a priesthood or a peasantry or the proletariat or the intelligentsia or the establishment, the middle class is also capable of evil, even in God-blessed America. The American middle class, beginning in the late 19th century, the late 1800s, organized official and unofficial apartheid. It conspired violently against unions. It supported the excesses of nationalism. It claimed credit for a religious faith that had no apparent influence on its behavior. Nowhere does being just middle class and having wealth ensure ethical behavior. But the assaults on the alleged vices of capitalism after 1848 made an impossible best, made a utopia into the enemy of an actual good that capitalism is. These attacks, as I was just explaining a few minutes ago, from the right and the left, starting in the mid-19th century, 
led in the 20th century to some versions of hell. So in the 21st century, please let us avoid another visit to hell, to the concentration camp or the gulag. I don't care much how capitalism is defined, so long as it is not defined simply to mean vice incarnate. The prejudging definition was favored by that radical Rousseau who led to the French Revolution. And there are many other intellectuals throughout history who have essentially equated markets with greed. Such a definition makes pointless an inquiry into the good and bad of modern commercial society. If modern capitalism is defined to be the same thing as greed... The restless, never-ending process of profit-making alone, this boundless greed after riches, as Marx put it, then it, then that settles it. Before even looking at the evidence, that is what has happened today. That so many people are convinced, before they even begin an investigation into the facts, that markets mean greed, that markets are bad. But there's no evidence, actually, that the greedier... Greedy or miserliness or self-interest was new in the 16th or the 19th or any other century. The infamous hunger for gold is from the Aeneid, book 3, line 57. From the ancient Greeks, not from Benjamin Franklin or advertising age. The propensity to truck and barter is human nature. Commerce is not some evil product of recent manufacturers. Commercial behavior is one of the world's oldest profession. We have documentation of it from the earliest cuneiform writing in clay. Bad and good behavior and buying low and selling high can be found anywhere, anytime in history. To put the matter positively, we have been and can be virtuous and commercial. Liberal and capitalist, liberal in the classical sense, democratic and rich. Democracy and capitalism, it seems, are similar in that they can often work pretty well, even if people generally do not appreciate their workings very well. One of the ways capitalism works pretty well is to nourish virtue. Virtue is, on balance and all other things being equal, essentially smart business under capitalism. Nice guys, in fact, tend to finish first. Along with the clarity of vision to an ability to act, it is only by virtue of very definite and highly developed ethical qualities that it has been possible for an entrepreneur to command the indispensable confidence of his customers and workmen. And now, again, there is no doubt that capitalism has made us incredibly wealthy. Not just here in the United States, not just in Europe, but all over the world. Even now in China, though it is not a liberal capitalist society, it is a state capitalist society. It's a society that barters and trades but does not allow... For freedom. At least not how we would have it here in the United States. At least I hope. 
You see, again, it was the old regime and the working class, the proletariat, that joined in disdain of the businessmen. And they continue to join in disdain today. Hoity-toity intellectuals at the Emmys and people destroying property and shops in St. Louis. They all think they're well-intentioned, that they have some reason to do what they do. But they all continue to crap on capitalism, on free markets. Again, they say that essentially all capitalism is can be summed up by what Gordon Gekko said. Greed is good. Greed, for lack of a better word, is good. It is not so. Capitalism and the bourgeois life can be, and to some extent already are, virtuous. That is, middle class life improves us ethically. And would have, even if it had not also made us rich. I realize this is not widely credited. It makes the establishment uneasy to be told that they are better people for having the scope of a modern and bourgeois life. They quite understandably want to honor their poor ancestors. Or their poor cousins in India now and feel impelled to claim with anguish feel guilty as they sip their caramel macchiato grandes that their prosperity comes at a terrible price a terrible ethical cost on the political left it has been commonplace for the past century and a half to charge that modern industrial people are alienated rootless, angst-ridden superficial, materialistic atomatized lonely and that is precisely participation in markets that has made them so Gradually, the right wing in the middle have come to accept the charge. By the early 21st century, some on the right have schooled themselves to reply to the charge that capitalism and markets corrupt us with a sneering cynicism. Yeah, sure, markets have no morals, so what? Greed is good. Bring on the pizza. But it's not so. Imagine a little farmer's market opens before 6 a.m. on a summer Saturday at Polk and Dearborn in Chicago. As a woman walking her dog passes the earliest dealer setting up his stall, the woman and the dealer exchange pleasantries about the early bird and the worm. The two people here are enacting a script of citizen courtesy and of encouragement for prudence and enterprise and good relations between seller and buyer. Some hours later, the woman is moved to buy a $1.50 worth of tomatoes from him. But that's not the point. The market was an occasion for virtue, an expression of solidarity across gender, social class, and ethnicity. In other words, markets in the middle class bourgeois life are not always bad for the human spirit. In certain ways, on balance, they've been good. How so? Well, the virtues came to be gathered by the Greeks, the Romans, the Stoics, the Church, Adam Smith, and recent recent virtue ethicists into a coherent ethical framework. So where do 
we find our virtue. It is what I asked you to pray for earlier tonight. What are the seven virtues? Well, there is faith. Think of St. Peter. And faith, in many ways, is identity. Having faith in something, yes, but knowing what you are, your place in the world. Think of St. Peter. Hope. Think of Martin Luther King Jr. Yes, you have your place in the world, you know where you are, but you have hope that you know where you're going, or maybe you don't know, but at least you have somewhere to go. You have hope that we can keep moving on. Love. Yes, of the three Christian virtues, love is the greatest. Justice. Now, there are all these competing definitions of justice. But sometimes people confuse these things. Courage. Temperance. And prudence. You will hear me repeat these virtues time and time again. This system is a jury-rigged combination of the so-called pagan virtues. Courage, temperance, justice, and prudence. Appropriate to say somebody in ancient Athens as well as the Christian virtues appropriate to a believer, faith, hope, and love. Jury rigged or not, the seven cover what we need in order to flourish as human beings. So as might other ethical systems. And these can be lined up besides the seven for comparison. For instance, because of the rise of China, we might want to look into what actually motivates them ethically. We don't want the Chinese to mimic what happened in Europe at the beginning of the 20th century. For too long, though, economists and people on the right have relied on prudence alone, that self-interest can take care of everything. But we need all these virtues in order to make our lives run seamlessly. Yes, again, there will be people that will abuse their freedom. There will be political scandal. I don't expect any time soon for people to give up their political fights and their lobbying for this or that cause or this or that party or this or that president. I just hope only a few people hear me or hear people like me. Because I'm telling you, we are going down the road that led Europe at the beginning of 20th century to go into ruin, to visit hell on earth. We are going down that road. With massive debts we will not be able to pay off if we continue the way we're going. Which is with a huge military meant to protect us, but which also seems to provoke other nations to build up their militaries. We have competing theories that are essentially anti-liberty on the right and the left. 
that would love to see a collapse of the system so they could make it how they want. At the moment, we are fighting, again, seven different wars. Seven. And yet people argue over Hillary Clinton and her new stupid book. People remark on Trump calling Kim Jong-un rocket man. You know, I could have talked about these virtues to the founders of this nation, and they would say you're preaching to the choir. In fact, we know this stuff better than you. I don't know if I could claim the same thing for our leaders today. You know, some days I want to think they're just bad people, corrupted people, In some cases, maybe so. Really, they're just flawed people. We all are. Again, the tyrant in you is the tyrant in me. So I don't want to take you to church too much. And in the coming days and weeks, we'll be having fun. We'll be having serious discussions with more guests about how we reinstill liberty and personal responsibility in our society. Even though I don't want to take you to church too much, do, if you're the praying type, pray tonight that those who run the nation's governments, governors, members of legislatures, congressmen, senators, and the president and his aides, but leaders in capitals around the world, pray that they are prudent and wise rather than foolish. Pray that they are temperate, moderate. They're not quick to react and hasty to harsh actions. Pray that they have the courage to stand up for what is right rather than being cowardly and following the masses wherever they go. Pray that they have a sense of justice, that they understand justice isn't always getting what you want. Justice isn't just a matter of being worthy. but also willing to recognize other people as being worthy. Of course, pray for faith. That we know who we are more than just Americans. Pray for hope. That we do have somewhere to go. That we won't end up like other peoples that have walked down these dark roads. But of course, pray for love. The greatest of these is love. With these seven, let us hope that the leaders of the world, the so-called leaders of the world, do not take us back to hell. But I'm telling you, folks, the stage is set. 
for us to go back to what the world was like during the World Wars. Thank you so much for listening to the Joey Clark Radio Hour. Be sure to check me out on social media, in particular the Book of Faces. Go like the Joey Clark Radio Hour page. Tomorrow, my guest will be Gary Chartier. He'll be talking about one version of liberty, one possible route we can go down, rather than our current path. 